0: Well, the other day I was, uh, just for fun, I I was looking up icebreaker questions. And icebreaker questions are a quick, great, and fun way to help a group of strangers get to know something quickly about each other. And sometimes using such questions can be a lot of fun and even entertaining. And here's some icebreaker questions I found on a few websites, some of which I'm definitely going to use in the future. Here we go. If you could be a fly on the wall, who would you want to listen in on? What body part would you like to add? If you had to swap your legs with the legs of any other animal, which animal would you choose? And perhaps my favorite, if you were a drag performer, what would your drag name be? Anyway, there certainly are hundreds of others that can be a lot of fun and a bit off-color even, and asking questions, sometimes even ones that are a bit off the wall, can be a good starting point of getting to know something about someone. And sometimes getting to know others is easy. At other times, it can be quite challenging. But what is true is if we want to know someone, they have to want to let us know them. We can guess what another person is about, but a person has to be willing to reveal who they are in order to know who he or she really is. What's interesting is the same is true of God. The only way we know anything about God is because God chooses to reveal who God is to us. If God was not willing to reveal who God is, we would not know anything about God. Now in theology, the study of God, this whole thing is called revelation, and there are a number of different ways through which God reveals who God is. And one way we know something about God is through creation itself, the natural world around us. And this is one reason we need to be incredibly intentional about protecting creation, God created nature and everything in it. And story after story in scripture reflects his truth. From Genesis, for example, we find in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. And from Psalm 104, these beautiful words we heard. God, you stretched out the heavens like a tent. You make the winds your messengers. You make springs gush forth in the valleys, giving drink to every wild animal. And verse after verse throughout Scripture makes it crystal clear that God created everything and that God reveals part of who God is through what God created, the natural world itself. But nature, of course, only reveals part of who God is. God reveals who God is in other ways. God reveals so much about who God is through, of course, Scriptures, both in the Old and the New Testaments. And then there's Jesus. God reveals so much about who God is through Jesus. Jesus. And through the lens of Jesus, we come to know something about God's character, values, thoughts, emotions, and even personality, among other things. And without Jesus, our knowledge of God would be quite limited. Jesus puts a face on God and makes it clear that God is for us, not against us. But again, it is God who chose to reveal God's self through Jesus, and God continues to reveal who God is through the Holy Spirit. So just to sum up thus far, God chooses to reveal who God is to us. God does so in a variety of ways, including creation itself. God is revealed through nature, through Scripture, through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Now with all of this background in mind, there is something that I think is quite interesting that we find in Scripture. And that is that Jesus, over and over and over again, Use creation, nature itself, to teach us about ourselves and God. Here are just a few examples. Jesus, using things from nature, said, Don't worry, don't be so concerned. Look at the birds all around you. God feeds them and takes care of them. Don't you think God will take care of you also? And look at the lilies. God cares for them. Don't you think God will care for you, too? And another day, Jesus said, Hey, listen up, people. Take a look at a tiny mustard seed. It's so small, isn't it? Take another look at it. You'll be amazed what you can do, even if you have just a little bit of faith. Faith the size of a mustard seed. And on a different day, Jesus said to his followers, Yeast, you know, it's used for cooking. A little bit of yeast goes a long way. Yeast affects how bread is baked, even just a little bit of yeast. And like yeast, some people say things that affect everything and get into everything. So be very careful what you listen to and what you pay attention to. And remember, toxic messages are like yeast. They grow. And another time, Jesus, was with his followers in a massive windstorm, And Jesus calmed the winds down, and by doing so showed that God, who is the creator, controls creation. And Jesus, on the last night of his life, used bread and wine, things that come from the earth to teach us. Well, there are many other examples. We also find the instructive value of nature in the Old Testament. One great example is in the book of Job. Job one day had this to say. He said... Ask the animals, and they will teach you. The birds, and they will tell you. Ask the plants of the earth, and they will teach you. And the fish of the sea will declare to you. Well, this morning, as we are in the midst of summer, so many of us are getting outside and enjoying God's magnificent creation, even if it's simply sitting in a chair outside. And given this is the case, and given all I have said thus far this morning, This week, I'm beginning a two-part sermon series titled, Jesus Used Nature to Teach, Might We Listen Too? And my hope is to use examples from nature that offer something to teach us that is in alignment with what we find in Scripture. And as Scripture and nature reveal much about God, both Scripture and nature work in tandem to teach us about God and ourselves. Now, one final point about this whole idea of revelation. We need all forms of revelation to know about God, including nature. To exclude some forms of revelation diminishes what we know about God and how we know God. So for example, to say, as some might say, I know God through nature and nature's all I need is limiting in that God reveals himself in so many other ways. And as people of faith, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Scripture are the most important. Yet nature, God's creation, wonderfully augments these sources of revelation. So with all this in mind, let's let's continue. Some of you know that my family and I just returned from Alaska. And today, to begin this series, I'd like to begin with just a few things I observed over the last few weeks in nature. And to get us started, I'd like to spend a few moments taking a look at a wonderful creature, the Pacific Salmon. Now, Pacific Salmon are anadromous, which means they spend their adult lives in the ocean, in salt water, but they migrate to fresh water to spawn. And for a quick moment, let's take a look at the life cycle of a salmon. Life for salmon begins with an egg that is fertilized in fresh water. The egg develops as it lies in gravel. And eventually, the eggs hatch as tiny, tiny fish, and they stay close to home. And they continue to grow, and they're called fry. And as the fry grow, they eventually turn into smolt, and the smolt begin to swim downriver toward the sea. And then the smolts turn into adults, and the adults live out their lives entirely in the ocean. And adult salmon live between one and seven years in the sea, depending on the type of salmon. And eventually, the adults know it's time to spawn, and so they migrate from the ocean back into freshwater rivers to spawn. Well, what you may know already is that when a salmon leaves the ocean and into a freshwater river, they go exactly to the same river from which they were born. Even if there are lots of rivers to choose from, they go to the one they came from. In fact, if they start to go up a different river from where they were born, they'll turn around until they find their home river. But not only do they go to their home river, they also go to the area in which they were born to begin with within that river. It's as if salmon know during their lives where they're from and where they're headed. Just a quick aside, I had to check this out because I found it fascinating. Lots of people have studied salmon and explored how they know, even after perhaps traveling thousands of miles all over the ocean, how do they know to go back to the place they were born? One theory is, according to one source, that young salmon imprint on the pattern of the Earth's magnetic field at the mouth of the native river. And years later, they know where to go based on that imprint. It's like they have an internal GPS system. It's amazing. Others have shown that smell has something to do with their navigational ability. And apparently, where a salmon spends its early days has unique chemical odors that are imprinted on their brains. But regardless of how it happens, salmon are born, go downriver, live in the ocean, return home, spawn, and then die. But as I mentioned, all of this is as salmon know where they are from and where they're headed. Now, it's important to note that this lesson is reflected all over Scripture. Paul wrote in his letter to the people of Ephesus. It's in Christ we find out who we are and what we're living for. And one day Jesus said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. In other words, we, through our faith, know where we are from and where we're headed. Day in and day out, can we each remember where we're from and where we're headed. The life cycle of a salmon tells us Creation tells us this. Scripture tells us this. We are made by God, created by God, and one day we will move into eternal life with God. This truth can sustain us when things are challenging and uncertain and unclear, scary, hard, unsettling. Knowing where we are from and where we are headed can give us strength, hope, and a sense of peace in our lives. Through thick and thin, if I know where I'm from and where I am going, no matter what, I can relax a bit, let go of worry, and rest that my future is taken care of by God. Well, there's some other things we can learn from salmon in Scripture. The fact that salmon spawn reminds me of something else. Salmon know they are responsible for the generation that follows, they do everything they can to get upriver to spawn. They do all in their power to ensure the next generation has a future. Now, whether or not we have children, this truth about salmon is a great reminder to each of us of our shared call, our common responsibility, and our faith obligation to care for all those that will follow us. This is a theme that is all over Scripture. It shows up in verses about the importance of teaching and mentoring children of remembering and honoring events from generation to generation, like the exodus and the Last Supper, of taking care of and being good stewards of the earth, and as it says in Philippians, to remember to always look out for the interests of others who will follow. Being concerned about and setting things up for a positive future for those that will follow is not only a lesson from Salmon, but from Scripture. And salmon teach us at least one other thing to mention briefly, and that is the importance of persistence. In Alaska, while fishing, Regina and I spent hours watching salmon jump up out of rivers, jump over rocks, jump over boulders, jump up waterfalls, all in order to get up river. Many attempts to jump up waterfalls failed, yet their attempts to do so did not ever stop. Salmon are incredibly persistent, despite the odds of being eaten, or not being able to make it upstream because of so many obstacles. And as we watched the salmon persist to get upstream, I thought of the many times in my own life in which persistence was really hard. Passages in which giving up on something seemed like the right thing to do. Moments in which I did not feel like I had anything left with regard to something. And these experiences and salmon themselves remind me about so many verses in scripture that encourage us to persist and never give up. Paul, who had so many struggles and hardships, wrote the following in a variety of his letters to people. He wrote, don't grow weary, don't ever give up. Remember always that your labor is never in vain. Pray without ceasing. Press on no matter what. In another place, we find run with endurance the race that is set before you. Jesus said, knock, seek, ask, and keep at it. Keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking. Jesus also told stories about the importance of persistence even when there are great obstacles. For example, in the parable of the unjust judge, we hear about a woman who will not give up her need for justice despite a judge who is obstinate and uncaring. And there are so many others. And while we can learn a lot from salmon, which is reflected in Scripture, there is so much more in nature that serve as great teachers, a lot of which I will share next week. But to wrap up today, I want to share something briefly about Alaskan brown bears. All grizzly bears are brown bears, but not all brown bears are grizzly bears. That's kind of hard to remember, isn't it? All grizzly bears are brown bears, but not all brown bears are grizzlies. Brown bears live near coastal areas where they can feed on things like salmon. Grizzly bears live inland. Brown bears only weigh about a pound when they're born. They can live around 20 years and can stand up to five feet tall, weighing a thousand pounds. And that big hump on their back is a massive muscle. Now, one thing about brown bears is they love to eat salmon and when the salmon head up, when the salmon head up river to their spawning ga- grounds. Well there's a place called Katmai National Park. It's home to many brown bears and Brooks Falls. Salmon grow- going up river work hard to jump up and over those falls. Brown bears wait on top of and at the bottom of and next to the falls fishing for their fill of salmon. They eat up to 30 salmon a day. And brown bears fish in a number of ways. Sometimes they stand and wait on top of the falls for a fish to jump right in its mouth. Other times they snorkel and put their heads under the water looking for fish. Sometimes they'll sit at the bottom of the falls waiting for a fish to show up, and there are other ways. But one afternoon, my wife Regina and I spent several hours at Brooks Falls watching the bears fish and eat. Such an amazing thing to see. You can even go online. They have a website. You can look up Brooks Falls. You can, you can watch the salmon eat. Well, on the day we were there, I watched one big adult sitting on top of a rock at the top of the falls. It sat there, simply waiting for a fish to jump into its mouth or come close enough to grab it to eat. That's what I call very smart thinking. Wait for the food to come to me. Now, in contrast, I have a very short video clip I'm going to show you in a second. We watched a very small bear get into the river. It splashed this way and that, jumped here and there. And frankly, it was very clear the pe- poor bear didn't know anything about fishing. It hadn't learned yet. It zoomed around the river like a mosquito, while the adult sat and waited patiently for food to arrive. So here's a short little video clip of that young bear trying to figure life out. just contrast that with the adult that was seasoned and just sat there waiting for the food to come well this got me thinking about something very important and something that is found throughout scripture and something that i struggle with in my own life and that is the whole idea of patience one theme found throughout scripture is patience And that adult bear waiting for salmon to jump into his mouth certainly is a great example and teacher about what patience looks like. I mean, it's a great visual image, just waiting. And there's so many stories in Scripture about the benefits of patience. There are also so many stories in Scripture about the problems of impatience. The classic one is, remember the story of when Moses goes to the top of the mountain to spend time with God. He's there much longer than the people waiting for him expected. So they got impatient, very impatient, and they melted gold and created a calf made of gold and started worshiping the thing. Conversely, there are countless stories and verses in Scripture about the importance of patience as people of faith. Well, we're going to continue next week with a lot of other creatures from different places, but for now, here are some things that we can take away, hopefully, from this morning. We know about God only because God wants us to know God. God reveals who God is in many ways, including through nature. And as people of faith, I believe that God invites each of us, with scripture in mind and through the Holy Spirit, to look around and to learn lessons about life, ourselves, and God, through nature, which God created. Such lessons we see in nature will be reflected in Scripture somewhere, and it's important to link the two. And so for today, through nature, we are to remember that we are gods. We are to remember and know where it is that we came from and where we're going. And when life gets scary and uncertain, to remember, I know where I'm from. I know where I'm going. It can be sustaining. To remember that all of us, whether or not we have children, have an immense responsibility for those that will follow us. To remember that persistence is so important and that when persistence seems impossible, that God will help us persist. And that as we journey in faith, that if we struggle with it, patience is our ally. Impatience, like that young bear, is not an ally. Great lessons from salmon, from brown bears, and scripture itself. So let us pray.